Welcome to Rough Road, a path to healing, a platform where we partner with you on the rough roads of life. We're here to help you take the first step in smoothing out your rough places to experience healing for your mind, body, and soul. Whether that rough road is domestic abuse, single parenting, rocky marriages, death of a loved one, whatever it is, we will navigate these rough roads together, inspiring hope and strength along the way. I'm your host, C.W. Sistrunk. Let's navigate the rough roads of life together. My heart breaks for actress and director Miss Regina King and her ex-husband, record producer Mr. Ian Alexander Sr., who are both enduring the recent loss of their only son, Ian Alexander Jr., who died by suicide. As a mother, I can only imagine what she and her ex-husband are going through right now and what countless others have secretly endured living with the loss of a child. While this episode does not tackle the tragedy of suicide, I do sit down with a mother who has been navigating the rough road of living with the loss of her child. She's someone I've known for quite some time, and I truly admire the strength she has exhibited. Today's guest, Ms. Angela Hamilton, a servant of her local community, founder of the Justin Cloud Foundation, which helps to provide coats and book bags to the children of our local community. She is best known for a giving heart and her informative Facebook Live, The Porch Chronicles, which highlights issues that plague our local community. She will share her intimately personal story of loss and life when we come back. Stay tuned. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see a man who takes up burdens and forgives sin. Come see and know God. If you're a parent listening today who's living with the loss of your child, I invite you to come and see. I'm reminded of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who not only lost her son, but also witnessed his demise. She watched them nail spikes in her son's hands and feet, pinning him to the cross. She watched as they lifted and planted in the ground that same cross with her firstborn son hanging on it. She saw them insult him, pierce him in his side. She was standing by, the Bible says. She was standing by helpless as her son died. And after all this, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was asked to do something in John chapter 19, verses 25 through 26. She was asked by Jesus to behold, to look and see who was standing near her. For many parents listening, you've had to endure the sight of your child's death. You've had to stand by helplessly at the place where your child lay lifeless. You've had to physically stand by in a courtroom beside those that took the life of your child. Or you've had to helplessly and unknowingly stand by as your child decided to take their own life, having no choice but to deal with the aftermath that is wrecking your heart and shattering the dreams you had for that child. You're left to live with the loss. My dear grieving mother, my dear grieving father, the Lord is saying to you today, I see you, I know you're trying to live the best that you can, 
I know that you've had to helplessly stand by. I know it's like a sword piercing your very heart. But God wants you to know He's handpicking those who will stand with you and near you and for you, to care for you, to honor you and help you. God knows this could never make up for the loss of your child, but it can serve as the antidote for your grieving heart. Look and see the God-ordained relationships that are near you to bring comfort to your mind, healing to your heart, and restoration to your spirit. And here's the thing. God didn't choose just anybody as a source of care for Mary. And He's not going to choose just anybody as a source of care for you. He chose the one who was beloved by Him and who loved Him. What I love about Mary is that she received the relationship into her life. She didn't push it away. And Mary spent the rest of her days in that relationship with John the Beloved. Mary left that dreadful day in the care of a God-ordained relationship. After receiving the Holy Spirit sometime later, she also received the full assurance that she would see her son again. Let this assurance be in you. Let this hope be in you. Come and see. See the blessings around you and live with the blessed assurance that you will see your loved one again. Welcome back. I'm your host, C.W. Sistrunk. Today, we're talking about navigating the rough road of living after losing a child. I sat down with my good friend, Miss Angela Hamilton, a servant of her local community and founder of the Justin Cloud Foundation, which helps to provide coats and book bags to the children of our local community. She is best known for her giving heart and her informative Facebook Live, The Porch Chronicles, which highlights issues that plague our local community. She will share her intimately personal story of loss and life when we come back. Stay tuned. I'm here with a good friend who has one of the most amazing hearts anybody could ever have. She's such a giving person who loves her community and has a track record of fighting for the underdog. Her name is Miss Angela Hamilton. Angela, I'm so glad to have you. Welcome to Rough Road. Thank you. And I'm glad to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm just glad to be here in the presence of such a wonderful young lady. I'm blessed to have you. You've gone through something that parents can't ever imagine happening in their lives. You survived the loss of your only son yes. and you're living through that. I was reading a book about loss by Gary Rowe. He's the author of Shattered, Surviving the Loss of a Child. And he gives a quote in that book by Gail Caldwell that says, the only education in grief that any of us ever get is a crash course. Yes. Tell us about yourself and your son and how you've been surviving your crash course. Well, it's, it's something that I don't wish on my worst enemy. It's not a day that goes by that I don't think back on that day. I've read stories of grieving parents when they're recollecting about that day. They, their minds can't begin to process what was happening. They describe it like being in a nightmare, sleepwalking. Right. It, it's like you numb 
And I still catch myself calling Big J because he was officially known as Big J. Big J was a giving person like me. He was quiet. He was meek. And like I tell everybody, nobody knows what your children do when they get from around you. But that's true. He was respectable. And nobody ever walked up to me and said that he respected them. But he had a kind heart like me. I can remember that my baby in the fourth grade stopped getting Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I was the Grinch of Christmas because I let him know I'm Santa. That's <laughs> how I so we went to the store and picked up the stuff. I'm Santa. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so this particular year, he picked up some stuff and it was kind of double stuff. And I'm looking at him like, well, you, you just got that. And lo and behold, he was getting some for somebody else. Oh, wow. We want to, again, just say his name, Justin Cloud. Justin Cloud. And, and I had the privilege and opportunity of knowing this young man. And I don't know if you remember, uh, he would ride to school with me to Montgomery. Yes. And I will attest to the fact that he is a very mannerable young man. What is one of the things that you wish people understood about the reality of losing a child? I wish they understood that it's no time frame in a grieving process. People can tell you, well, you know, he ain't coming back and, you know, he'll want you to go on with his life, but it's no time frame. I just don't like when people do people like that. Just move on. He ain't coming back. He'll want you to do this and he'll want you to do that. It's like it's insensitive. They walk up to you. I know how you feel. No, you don't. You got your kids here. You can't never imagine how somebody feel losing a child. You haven't lost one. That's absolutely right. You can't rush someone in their grieving process because we all grieve differently. Right. You say sometimes you catch yourself calling his name. Right. And I know that you've been able to keep the memory of your son alive, not just by you calling his name in your home and remembering, but you've done something with your life that I think is a miracle. Anybody who has walked in your shoes of losing a child can easily look at your life and say, wow, she's taken what life has given her and she's turned it around. You're keeping your son's memory alive through the Justin Cloud Foundation. You do some great work in the community for our children. Tell us about that work and how it has helped you on this journey. Well, through the foundation, we started partnering with the fire department here in Tuskegee and buying bikes and toys and stuff every year because they would give out Christmas. So what we bought, we just gave it to them to give out and partner with them. So then when he was murdered, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to do a, you know, a foundation in his memory and keep it alive. You started this foundation as a continuation of his heart of giving, even while he was on this earth. Yes, you, you've continued yeah. that. And so that helps you remember him and his heart. Right. I tell people, people die and the people, kids die and you just go bear them or create them or whatever you do. And you just forget about them. I was like, that's like throwing somebody away. Mm. Like, I just can't throw them away like that. It's just like, okay, the service over with, moving on, you know. Yeah. No, 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 no. You definitely kept his memory alive in the community with the good work that you're doing there in preparing for this interview today. It was so many stories that I came across where parents felt guilty. It is said that feeling guilt is common in the loss of a child. It is, it is. And my guilt was, if I had moved from this neighborhood, 
Mm. But and I just had a discussion with somebody with this yesterday that came by the house. They was looking at some of Big J pictures, and uh, we had that discussion. I said, you know what, Mister B, I often wonder if I had moved from in this neighborhood, would this be my life without my only son, only child that I was able to hold and keep? Because what people don't know is. I suffered three miscarriages, so that really hurt that wow. the child that I was able to have and hold. Yes, yes. It, it, it was like he was snatched, too. Yeah. Now, you, you talk about the neighborhood, and I know a lot of mothers nowadays are living in the same situation. Let's go back and talk about the manner in which Big J was taken. An act of gun violence. He was shot two times, and as a matter of fact, the young man, it, it was some more people in there. And the young man, I think it was like 23 rounds went off in there. Oh, my God. And, and two of them hit him um, in the chest and in the head. Oh, my God. Well, he was sitting at a computer. He was actually in the house at the computer. Mm-hmm. And I actually had just left home. I was in going to Auburn to an appointment. I said, we get back, we'll go to Montgomery because we're going to get us some, you know, some clothes to, to start at Southern Union. Yeah, And I had my appointment. I had sat down at eight and my phone started ringing. And um, they was like, I think something happened in the neighborhood. And I think it's somewhere Big J. So I, I started calling back, calling the post pop. Nobody wanted to talk to me. So I knew then. So I just jumped up and, you know, that was a long ride from Auburn. I yep. had to come to Auburn. Right. Wow. And I got to the neighborhood and saw the chaos. I just, I was just numb. Yeah. I didn't never go look at him. I didn't go identify him. And I never looked at him. Mm. Why was that? I just didn't want to see him like that. Um, I just remember him the way I saw him when I walked out the door. Yeah. And, and now that I look back on it, mm-hmm. I got a chance to say bye to him because I never walked out my house and said, bye, Big J. I walked out of here and said, I'll see you later. I'll be, you know, I'll be right back. But that day, it was somebody that day. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him and he was on the end of the couch and he did have this weird look on his face. Mm-hmm. And I looked, it was just a crazy day. And I said, bye, Big J. That's what I say. And I looked back on it. I, I had a chance to say bye to him. And that's mm-hmm. something I'll never do. Wow. How, how did you, how did you process it? How, how did you get from that day to this day? Prayer, a good support group people I can call it didn't matter what time of day or night it was I can call and cry I can call and vent I can call and be mad Facebook you know I vented on Facebook and wrote a lot of stuff and it, and and that kind of got me in some hot water but that I got out of because I was venting about it was there anything that you didn't feel free to say out loud no well whatever I want to say I said it because I just, I'm, I'm a person don't like the ball stuff up inside. I just feel like you need to get it out and just let it, I mean, I just can't slip and ball stuff inside. It just do something to me. I'm, I'm that kind of person. You just got to get it out. It's right. just better out than in. That's right. Because I, I guess it would just cause all kind of stress where you will one day just explode. Right. And I didn't go to Greek. They tried to send me to Greek counseling. I was like, I'm not going to Greek counseling because like, what can they tell me? They ain't lost no kid. They can't tell me now. I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to get it out the way I want to. I never went to Greek counseling. Okay. So you would would say that your faith and the support of others really helped you through. 
Right. I, I, I was reading Shattered, Surviving the Loss of a Child. And he says in that book, he says, there's no satisfactory answers to the questions in the mind of a broken, shattered, and grieving heart of a parent who mourns the loss of a child. He says that one thing is certain, after the loss of a child, our spiritual life, whatever we define that to be, will change. It cannot stay the same. How would you say, and I know that you say that prayer was something that was very uh, evident in your life that helped you through, that's helping you through, but how would you say the loss of Big J? has impacted you spiritually? Would you say it has changed anything spiritually for you? Not really, but I would say I have seen the person that murdered my son a couple of times. And all the stuff that I played out in my head that I I was going to do and what I was going to say and how I was going to act when I seen him, it didn't play out like that. I just kind of looked and went on and said, you know what? God is in control. Amen. And he can get you better than me. I can stand out here, have a food with you and your folks in the street all day, but it ain't going to bring them back. That's right. So you left it in God's hands. I just I just left it and just know that he is going to be in control and he can get you better than I can. Yeah. Well, you're just being honest. You're just, just being honest. Being, I'm just honest like that. Like, I'm, that, that's how I look. And that and that was it. You know, you know, he just kind of looked at me, you know. And mm-hmm. when I came back out the place where I was at, cause I was getting some food. And when I came back, he was gone. Oh my goodness. So you're talking about a person who was on the streets walking around. Right. He is out. Oh, wow. He did it three years. Wow. Three years for murdering yeah. your son. Three years. And, and that'll be a podcast for something else. So people can really understand the legal system, and they can really understand what part that we play in that as citizens, because ultimately, when some go to court, people mm-hmm. want to put it on the DA office, they want to put it on the job, but it's our peers, because it's 12 peers that got to make that decision. Right. That's so true. ultimately, it's left up with the jury, so that's a, that, that'll, be, that'll be another conversation that we have there, because I have to try to explain that to people, you know, right. It's the peers that that's walking, you know, it can be something that happened to you. And these, these folks that you're walking around with and, and people that you know, because this is a small community. Right. And right. so the first thing people saying, you know, in a small community, but we don't want to send our black folks to, um, you know, ju- you know, just throw them away forever. Uh, you know, they don't think about that until it happens to them. Mm-hmm. So that's how that came into play. Should we be concerned about how the person is rehabilitated for the one that commits the crime. Absolutely, because they be habitual offenders because this person already had a pending robbery and assault case that was already pending when this happened. I just read in the news recently where um, they have upped the bail in Montgomery County, I think it was. And hit that young man out on that bail. He made that eight hundred fifty thousand dollar bail too. Wow. He made that. He made he he made that bail too. So we should we definitely should be concerned because most of them don't get rehabbed and get the help that they need or whatever when they incarcerate. They don't. They come back out. Exactly. And the cycle goes on and on and on and on. Exactly. And we do have to look at what rehabilitation really is. And accountability, you know, they they don't take accountability. I got an I sorry. 
And that's because his attorney pushed the minute back and said, tell the lady you're sorry. You have to not only deal with the one whose whose life is lost and the grieving parents of that child, but also the one that lives and has to live with the offense. And you want them rehabilitated. You want them to see the wrong that they've done and, and get to a point of accepting what they've done and changing their lives. And then you right. want justice for the community. So those are three things to me. You have to be very mindful to balance those three things. It was an event that just changed your life completely. It changed. It changed. It changed. It changed my life. It changed how I look at people. I already don't, don't trust folks for real. Mm-hmm. It changed the way I look at people, and it's sad to say, it changed the way that I look at black men. Mm. In what way? I just cannot even be bothered with them because all I can think about, I look at one, I'd be like, you know, another black man just shot my child down like a dog. And then I look at looking at the news every day and they just shooting each other down, you know, and it's just it's heartbreaking. I just uh, it just it just changed me, my perception of them. Yeah. But and then I find that so interesting that your perception of the young black man has changed. But you still help them from your heart. You still, as you in the community, you're still doing so much to help our young black girls and boys. Right. And so, mm-hmm. some of them be so disrespectful. Like, you know, I got situations going on now where they they so they they so they so disrespectful. You know, they don't like they don't like the porch and um, you know, they don't like the issues brought out. Yeah. And so you brought up the porch. Miss Angela Hamilton, she is the creator uh, of The Porch. (laughs) It's a show that she runs from her front porch of her home where she's talking about issues affecting our local community. Tell us more about The Porch. What inspired The Porch? Well, okay, the pandemic really inspired The Porch. You know, we couldn't go nowhere. So I'd be sitting on The Porch just going live and just, you know, just bored. And then I sat one day, I see here. I can do the porch. Oh, that's okay. That's going to be called the porch. So then it was time for the mayor and council race to come up where they didn't have an outlet to do a debate or to put their platform in because, you know, everything was shut down. You Mm -hmm. couldn't be conjugated anywhere. Right. So Councilman Ford was my first person that came on the porch and everybody came behind him. So the the porch became a political figure. Yes. Over a year ago, you know, everybody came and, and laid their platform out of why you should vote for them. Mm-hmm. And, and it just opened up the door for a whole lot of stuff. So then I start talking about the community issues. And if I start doing some motivational stuff, and then the porch t-shirts came along. We had a young lady that designed a porch t-shirt. You should do these shirts. Then, you know, we did the be kind moment. By the way, I still got yeah. your sign. <laughs> That's in right. my trunk of my car. That's right. That's right. It, there were signs that you give a donation and you would have yeah. these be kind signs. Be kind signs. Put in your front yard and everything. Beautiful signs. You're always doing something for the community. And so it sounds like the porch was just something that just kind of happened. It happened in the pandemic. And, you know, it happened at 7 o'clock and people was waiting on it. I mean, in the evening, folks at home and they had nowhere to go. They was waiting on the porch. If I didn't come on or was late, they was texting me, you coming on the porch? So that, <laughs> I kind of became the go-to person. Like, 
my phone ring all night. If I was over here married or something, they'll swear I'm over here cheating or doing something. <laughs> because I'm telling you, my phone ring. I, I know the porch lady might know. Let me call the porch lady. I was like, oh, <laughs> and I'd be in the stores. I was in Costco the other day. Hey, ain't you that lay on the porch? Then I had to be careful because I'd be like, now who toes I stepped on? Because you know they about want to slap me. And I'd be like, yeah, and I'd be looking around like, yeah. Oh. Well, when you gonna be back out? They ain't seen you out there. They be they be waiting on it. Oh, exactly. And so, what to me that does it just shows how important your voice is in the community, and how much of a platform you actually have to make a difference in your community. And I believe that you're doing that. I know for your fiftieth birthday, you have oh. fifty days of giving. Yeah, I was like, oh my goodness! Tell yeah. us about that. <laughs> yeah, I I decided to do um. 50 days of giving in honor of me turning 50. And that was such an important milestone in my life for everything that has happened and what, you know, uh, uh, you know, up to this point, because just to be quite frank, uh, I had two blows back in 2009. I was given a reduction in force letter, but it really was a firing in a slick way. And then right after then, you know, I lost my son. So that was two blows. And I was just, I was just happy. Like I done made it to 50 because all that at one time, yeah. that's enough to send somebody over the edge of you one strong. And it was like you said, your faith and the support of the, your loved ones that really helped right. see you through to get through that. And also I would add to that, like you said, it was having or making because you, you didn't wait for anybody to give you the opportunity. You made the opportunity for yourself to be able to speak the things that were in your heart, to not have it bottled up and walk around and waiting for that moment to explode. And I want to encourage those that are listening today. If a parent has not gone through the loss of a child, they can't tell you how to get through it. But you okay. have one today. Our guest, Miss Angela Hamilton, who has been through the loss of her only child through gun violence and also at the same time dealing with losing her job, but she's here and she's giving out of her heart <laughs> at every opportunity. What do you think Justin would say about how you have handled your life since his departure? You know what? That's hard to say because he was a person of few words. He really was. Yeah, he would just probably sitting up looking. You know, you couldn't pull none out of them. <laughs> That's true. Just looking like BJ with the smile. He'll smile mm. and keep on going. Yeah. But he was a he's he was a a, a, a child of few words. He ain't gonna say. But the smile would say it all. Yeah, yeah. The, the smile would be. I'm pleased with it. What do you want the world to remember about your son, Justin? I want them to remember that he, he was a kind-hearted person. Uh, he was a child like any other child. You know, kids get into stuff or whatever. He was a child. Right. He was a kind-hearted person. He was respectable. Yes. And he was just full of life. He had a whole life ahead of him. Yes. That was just snuffed right from up on him. And I often wonder what he would be doing, where he would be. Uh, would he be married? Would he be finished with college? You know, would I have some little grandchildren running around him? Oh, wow. So we just, you know, honor his memory today. We honor the fact that he has a mother 
that continues to keep his memory alive and continues to give to the community in which she lives. And that same community where your son was shot down, you still live there today, right? I still do. And that's the miracle for me. Anytime you can stay in a community where you have suffered the greatest loss, but then you can turn around and give the greatest of yourself too, that's a miracle. And that is not something to be taken lightly. That's why I wanted to bring you on today to honor you as a person, as a mother, because one of the things that I have noticed about you is that even though you lost your child, you became mother to a lot of young people that are living around you today. She gives book bags. She gives coats to these children. She has turned her gift of mothering to her community. And I wanted to honor you for that. I wanted to give you a platform to tell our audience that you can find the help that you need and the encouragement that you need to get through the loss of a child. You've told us how to do it. A strong prayer life, strong faith, find a support group, someone that will support you through this crisis. Express yourself. Right, right. So it's, it's life. It's life after a loss. I tell me, it's life. We just speak blessings over you, over everything you put your hand to do that honors your, the memory of your son second and honors God first. We thank you for being with us today here on Rough Road. You've given us some tools to be able to navigate the rough road of living after losing a child. Angela Hamilton, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I love you and thank you so much. You're welcome. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Powerful and effective, healing and restorative. The prayers of the righteous, prevailing prayer. My dear grieving mothers and fathers who are navigating life after the loss of your child, be encouraged. God is handpicking those he loves who will stand with you and near you to care for you and bring comfort to your heart. Why? Because he sees you, because he loves you. My prevailing prayer for you today is that you will accept them and the care they have in their hearts to give you. If you're struggling today, trying to navigate the rough road of living after losing a child, I suggest the book, Shattered, Surviving the Loss of a Child by best-selling author Gary Rowe, who sees himself as a fellow sufferer, who admits he doesn't have grief all figured out, but finds it a privilege to share and walk with you in the valley of grief. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the provision you've already made for these grieving mothers and fathers. I know that nothing could ever replace what their child meant in their lives but I'm asking for an antidote for their grieving hearts. I'm asking that you cause them to look and see and accept those God-ordained relationships that you will use to honor them, care for them, and usher in healing to their lives. Father, as they fall into your arms, lighten their load. Give them beauty for ashes, dancing for mourning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you desire prayer today, please let us hear from you. 
Drop a note in our virtual prayer box by emailing us at roughroadprevailingprayer at gmail.com. That's roughroadprevailingprayer at gmail.com. We'll stand with you in prayer and believe God for your healing. That's our show for today. I'm your host, C.W. Sistrunk. Thank you for listening and subscribing to Rough Road, a path to healing. Till next time, peace and blessings. Thank you for listening to Rough Road, a path to healing. Be sure to share and follow us on your favorite podcasting app. I'm C.W. Sistrunk. Join us next week as we discover tools to navigate the rough roads of life together.